Exodus 3 is our passage of Scripture this morning. And for those of you who are guests, this series is Seeing Christ in All of Scripture. And we're really excited as a local church to go from Genesis through to Revelation, all the way through the Bible to 66 books of the Bible to really see and to savor Jesus Christ all the way throughout. And so Exodus chapter 3 is an awesome passage of Scripture, and I'm really looking forward to reading this together with you. So if you have your Bibles or on your phones, open up please with me and read in Exodus chapter 3. We're going to read the entire chapter here this morning. So let's read God's Word together. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And by the way, the east side of this mountain is Sinai. The west side is called Horeb. And the, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, The cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send to you, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and Bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. He said, But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. 
And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord. The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Debusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us and now Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go... You shall not go empty, but each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. The title of the message is, I am who I am. Let's pray. Almighty God, Speak to us, Lord, through your word. Holy Spirit, come and touch our hearts and transform us as we see who you are in your great and awesome name. Lord, touch us and transform us as we see the awesomeness of who you are. Holy, holy, holy God, how awesome is Your name. Lord, become even more awesome in our hearts as we look at You and study You from Your Word this morning. Touch us and transform us. Help us as we see Your holiness to marvel as we look at this upcoming week with Holy Thursday and Good Friday. Marvel that You would have come and suffered for us. We love You so much. Thank You for coming to us. Humbling Yourself and riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. Awesome, holy, mighty God. We marvel at Your infinite condescension and Your humility and Your willingness to come and lay down Your life for us. We love You. Strengthen us through Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. We're going to look at three points from the passage this morning. The first is, the Lord remembers the past. The Lord remembers the past. And I put the Lord in all caps uh, 
for a reason. It's not projected up there as all caps, but here in this section here in Exodus 3, you're going to see again and again the word Lord in all caps. This is the, the ineffable name of God, Yahweh, um, the name of God that is mentioned 4,000 times over in the Scriptures. And it's the covenant name of God, the personal name of God to His people. And the Lord remembers the past. Secondly, the Lord sees the present. The Lord sees the present. And thirdly, the Lord will be with you in the future. The Lord will be with you in the future. Let's look firstly at the Lord remembers the past. We left off in Exodus chapter 2 with Moses going into the land of Midian and he uh, goes and, and meets Jethro and ends up marrying one of Jethro's daughters, Zipporah, and he's there. He's keeping a flock outside and away from the people of Jerusalem out in the wilderness. And we know that he's been doing this for about 40 years. I mean, he, he left Egypt um, about 40 years ago. And he's in the wilderness and he is keeping a flock. He's out of the way. He's out of the action. He's not even in the midst of the enslaved people of Israel in the land of Egypt. And yet, he's there and he's, he's, he's gathering near this mountain called Horeb, which is going to play significantly throughout the book of Exodus as God's people return there after he delivers them. And so we're going to hear more about Horeb and Sinai as, as the, as the book progresses. The reason why that the Lord even comes to Moses is because God remembers his covenant promise that he made to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 15, where he says that uh, your descendants are going to be um, oppressed and enslaved for 400 years, but I'm going to deliver you out from that oppression. I'm going to deliver the people of Israel out from the oppression and lead them into the promised land. And so God made a promise to Abraham about 400 years prior to this. And Abraham is now dead, but God, what's so wonderful here, is he remembers his covenant promise, even after the one he's made it to has died hundreds of years ago. Uh, this is very important for us as we, as we reckon with the God of Israel and we reckon with our God. This is an important and a very edifying point for us that the Lord remembers the past to set it up here, he comes to Moses. And we see here in verse 2 this wonderful, awesome expression yet again. Uh, and we saw it yesterday at the men's breakfast as well. The, the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And Moses looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And we're going to talk about the name of God and we're going to look at the being of God that God says, I am who I am in just a moment. But this is an awesome visual display, essentially, of the phrase of the being of God, I am who I am. It's symbolized here uh, to, to Moses in this vision that he sees and he encounters this. Um, in reality, there's this flame in the midst of a bush, and the bush is not consumed, but it's actually referenced here personally that it's the angel of the Lord who appeared to him in a flame. So this isn't just a flame. This is a, a personal flame, if you will. The, the angel of the Lord appearing to Moses in a flame of fire in the midst of 
a bush, and, and, and the Lord says to him, take off your shoes. Moses, here I am. Do not come near. And we see evidence of the holiness of God here in the midst of this burning bush. When we see God say to him, do not come near. It's very important for us to recognize that the holiness of God, is it really creates this, there's this infinite gap between us and the holiness of God. God is holy and we are not. And it's not just the, uh, the fact that God is holy and we're sinful, but part of the holiness of God is that God is the uncreated one. He's the great I am. And there's a creator-creature distinction that apart from even any sin, there's an infinite gap between us and God. And the fact that God always was. He never had a beginning. And He always will be from everlasting to everlasting. You are God, Psalm 90 says. Even before the mountains were brought forth. You take the, the most longest lasting image of God's creation. The mighty mountains and God's like even before they were brought forth. And I brought them forth. I am. And I am who I am. He's holy. And yet He comes to Moses and appears to Moses because He remembers the covenant promise that He made in the past. This this reference to take off your shoes, feet symbolize that we are profane or we're creatures, we're created by God. And you see this even with the angels in Isaiah 6. Interestingly enough, that they've got six wings, these, these cherubim in Isaiah 6, and with two they cover their faces. You see Moses, he hides his face when he encounters the holiness of God. But the other thing, it's interesting, take off your shoes, this is holy ground because I'm here. There, there's this reference also in Isaiah 6 of these angels, they don't just cover their face with their wings, they've got six wings and they're all created for a purpose. Two of them, they cover their feet. It's a symbol of of, of the... Angels themselves are created and, 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 and they also reflect that God's holy by covering their face but also covering their feet. And, and it symbolizes the distinction of the holy and the profane. And by profane, profane, I don't mean evil. It just speaks to you've been created. You are not God. And therefore, just by virtue of you being created by the Holy One of Israel, Moses, don't come near. What's so wonderful is the, the distinction that comes later in Hebrews where we, we get the exhortations often on Sunday morning in worship from one of you even from the ministry, Mike. Draw near with hearts full of assurance, right? Well, this is the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man prohibits us from being able to draw near unless something's done. And here we see Moses taking off his shoes and 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 approaching the Lord to see this great sight of this bush that's not burned. Alexander McLaren, writing about the fire, symbolizing I am who I am, says this, that God operates unspent. He's unspent. He loves, and He loves forever. And through the ages, the fire burns on unconsumed and undecayed. I love that. Unconsumed, undecayed, God burning perpetually unspent. And so 
in a sense, it, it's better described here. It's not the burning bush, but the burning God. The God who burns forever and has been burning from eternity past and will burn forever. The Alpha and Omega, the beginning the end. Beginning and the end, the Holy God. The one true God. The God of Israel who symbolizes before Moses himself in a burning flame. The angel of the Lord appearing. The, the, the flame symbolizes God and His perpetual existence that He just absolutely is. And the bush actually symbolizes the people of Israel, that the people of Israel, this, this, this little bush that the Lord actually dwells in the midst of His people and, and, and continually burns. And as He continually burns in the midst of His people, His people are not consumed. Interestingly enough, we understand from Hebrews that God is described as a consuming fire, right? But it's different with His people. His people, He dwells in the midst of his, the praises of His people. He inhabits the praises of His people. He dwells in the midst of His people. And actually under the New Covenant, He actually dwells within us. And we are not consumed as Lamentations 3, verse 22 says, because of the Lord's great love, speaking to the people of Israel, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. But the Lord on the day of judgment will come and come in judgment in consuming fire. But brothers and sisters, we will not be consumed in God's wrath like the rest of unrepentant mankind. They will be consumed. So how do you justify God being a consuming fire in Hebrews and yet being in the midst of His people here and the bush burning and not being consumed? This is a symbol of God's presence in the midst of His people and because He has promised the promised One, Jesus Christ, who's actually right here as the angel of the Lord in the midst of the bush, and that Jesus Christ is going to come and take on flesh and humble Himself. This Holy One's going to come and humble Himself. God's people can dwell in His presence now and not be consumed in the midst of His holiness because God has atoned for all of their sin. This is awesome connections here of the Lord. And this here, this burning bush, Moses, first hears from God in verse 6, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The first thing he refers to here is the fact that he's the God of his father. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He references the past and gives Moses a point of reference as to who he is and the fact that he remembers his covenant promise given 400 years ago and will not fail to fulfill it. So brothers and sisters, how awesome is God that He's always existing in the past. He's always burning, has always burned, is burning presently and will always burn and, and perpetual count on it. Present. And the fact that we as His people can dwell in the midst of His holy 
burning presence and not be consumed because of His grace. How awesome is that? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. A promise that we make even last week can be forgotten, but when God makes a promise 400 years ago, it's just as fresh to Him 400 years later as He's talking to Moses as it was on the day he made it. And this is meant to really encourage us that God never goes back on his promises and he never goes back on them. And this is good news for us. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper and Communion like we did last week and we remember the broken body and shed blood of our Lord, we do that in remembrance of Christ. But the good news is is that God has not forgotten He has not forgotten what He has done in sending His Son and the completed, finished work on the cross. When He said, it is finished, that promise is over every true believer right now that the work of atonement has been completed. God's wrath has been satisfied. You are not going to be consumed on the day of judgment because God made that promise and He remembers that promise. And He will not fail to deliver you into heaven, just as He didn't fail to deliver the Israelites into the promised land. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thinking of this passage in Isaiah 49, I think we have this one for projection. The Word of God says, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, and the Lord has forgotten me. Remember this? Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget. A nursing mother may forget. Yet I will not forget you. You are not forgotten, brothers and sisters. You will never be forgotten. Once you are God's, you are God's forever. And this is meant to really encourage our hearts that He is the perpetual burning fire And as Luke 12 records, and Jesus says this to the Pharisees, it's not He was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because they're not dead, they're living. And so even after believers die, they go immediately into the presence of God. And even death doesn't stop God's love for His people. We are like flowers quickly fading. We are described as a mist that quickly dissipates. But God has burned in eternity past. God burns perpetually in the present, in the present, and God will burn forever. And because, listen carefully, because this gracious God has chosen to unite you by faith to His Son, who has an indestructible life, Hebrews says, you have eternal life in Him through your union with Him. Brothers and sisters, this is such good news for the believer in Christ. A nursing mother may forget her child. I will not forget you. And He does not forget His people who are suffering in Egypt under slavery. He comes at His exact appointed time and He comes and He 
delivers his people, and he's going to use Moses to do it. And Moses is just blown away by this glorious vision. The fact that God will not forget one of the promises he has made to you, beloved, is meant, what is the byproduct? What is the application into your life? I believe the Lord wants to minister peace to you, my brothers and sisters. You and I go up and down day by day, week by week. I am who I am. Never changes. There is no shadow or variation due to change, James 1.17 says. So when he loves, he loves steadfastly. And he never forgets what he's accomplished for you. You and I forget the gospel. The good news is, I may forget the gospel in a given day. God has not forgotten what he has done. And will not ever forget his people. And this is evidence of that. The fact that he comes to Moses in the flame of fire. And what's so glorious is in the book of Revelation, we see Jesus Christ in the midst of his people. And at the day of judgment, he's seen and he's described as his eyes are flames of fire. This, this symbolizes the holiness of Christ here, represented in appearing personally to Moses in a flame. There's, there's so much there worthy just for your further meditation. I can't even get into all that. But you, you could just spend the rest of your life as a Christian meditating on the pre-incarnate Christ appearing to Moses. So this is so awesome. You see this with the, again with the Pharisees when, when Jesus is being questioned by the Pharisees. Like, you're saying that you're God? And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stones for a reason. They knew exactly what he was saying. He was claiming to be God himself, of course, which he is, the second person of the Trinity. The Lord Jesus Christ, who in 1 Corinthians 10, it's described by the Apostle Paul that it's actually Christ who is the rock in the wilderness for his people. And here we see Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, appearing to Moses in the flame of the fire. And, oh, brothers and sisters, the Lord remembers the past. Let's look secondly at the Lord sees the present. The Lord sees the present. The, the fire burning is burning right now in the midst of Moses and, and it's showing that the presence of God. But it's awesome how this progresses throughout this chapter and you, you see it in uh, 13 and 14 where Moses after he hears this description about how God's going to bring the people out. He says when they ask what your name is, what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses this, I am who I am. Now, it's important to note here, this phrase, I am who I am, this isn't technically the name of God. This is God before he even gives his name to Moses, which he gives in just a moment in the text. He wants Moses to understand his being before he understands conceptually what his name is. His being is described as, I am who I am. Or you might see in one of your footnotes in your Bible, I will be who I will be. 
The Lord sees the presence. And then we see the name of God described just a little bit further down. If you, if you see, say to this people to Israel, I am has sent me to you. Verse 15, God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord. There again, that, there's that capital L-O-R-D. Whenever you see that, that's, that's in distinction from L, smaller case O-R-D, which also describes the Lord by a different name. The Almighty. This one here is the covenantal name of God, Yahweh. This is describing God's personal love for His people. And in the midst of Yahweh's name in the, in the original and in the Hebrew is, there's the shortened reference of Yah, which when we say hallelujah, it's praise the Lord, praise Yahweh. In other words, praise the great I am. Who He is in His being is He is the perpetual fire burning. He is the great I Am. He's the independent one, the self-existent one. The one who is uncreated. The one who burns unspent and never gets tired and never gets drowsy. Never needs to go to sleep when we go to sleep every night. It's so comforting to know that the I Am continues to burn. And again... David can say, I think of you through the watches of the night because this is a a source, brothers and sisters, of endless meditation and worship to reflect on the name of the Lord, Yahweh, His covenant name, and also the being of God, which God actually gives to Moses first. I am who I am. It, It speaks to the Lord seeing the present. Moving up a a little bit in, in verse seven, you see that the Lord says to Moses, after he's afraid to look at God, God shows him why he even appeared to him. He says this to Moses, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. And then it says, I've heard their cry. And it says, I know their sufferings. Again, you remember the last verse of chapter 2. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. He sees. He hears the prayers of His people. He hears our prayers, brothers and sisters, as we pray out to Him. He knows. He knows our needs. He knows the needs of His people. And He says to Moses, I have seen this great I am who I am. Yahweh sees the affliction of His people. And again and again, you see this later on too. Look at verse 9. I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. And then God says, I'm going to deliver you. And I'm going to deliver you into a land of milk and honey. I'm going to deliver you into rest. I'm going to save you out from the oppression and bring you into glorious, sweet rest, which symbolizes the salvation that we receive in Christ. But this aspect of Him being in the present, Psalm 139 says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. I love this. If I make my bed in Sheol, or the abode of the dead, you are there. And then he just can't stop, David can't, when he says this. 
if I take the wings in the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. The good news is, is no matter where we would ever go or flee to, God is with his people. He sees his people. If you were to ascend into the heavens, God is there. If you make your head in, in the abode of the dead, God is going to be there for you still. He is the perpetually present burning fire in the midst of his people. And even death doesn't separate him from his people for an instant. Let this comfort you, brothers and sisters, that he is God of the present and he sees your present circumstances. He sees your afflictions. He sees your oppression. And let this minister comfort to you. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Okay, what kind of trouble are we talking about here? Well, imagine this. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Why won't we fear that? Here's why, verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This phrase, uh, seeing, I have seen, is actually literally, seeing, I see. He always sees everything, and his eyes are upon his people, and his ears are attentive to their cry, the Psalms talk about. This is meant to bring comfort to us, brothers and sisters, in the midst of the trials that we're currently going through. It's meant to also encourage us that there's not going to ever be any moment where we will be separated from the love of God in Christ as God's covenant people. His love, his covenantal love, continues to burn continually and he holds on to his people and never lets them go and that's meant to be a great comfort to us when you think of the great i am who i am when you think of the covenant name of god yahweh and the holiness of god and you say whenever you say hallelujah or whenever you say the name of god god wants you to instantly Call to mind His being. I am who I am. And don't forget that. There could be nothing more relevant right now to our lives, our daily lives, our marriages, the struggles we're facing in the day in and day out, your, your jobs, the, the difficulties that you're facing in great trials and in small, than to remember and to call to mind that the fire is still always burning and the presence of the Lord is still in the midst of you. And not just in the midst of you, he is dwelling within you, beloved. And God is fiercely determined to see and deliver you out from all of your oppression. And He will indeed deliver us out so that we go before Him and enjoy Him forever. Holy, holy, holy God, how awesome is Your name. Point three, the Lord will be with you in the future. We see this here in uh, verse 12 and 13. 
look at verse 12. He says to Moses, but I will be with you. Moses says, who am I? This description of humility, he recognizes he's just this small man amongst the people of God, a, a small man in the midst of the bush and, and just one little tiny part. And who am I that I could go and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he says, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So the sign, it's not even necessarily one of the plagues that he's about ready to bring on Egypt so powerfully to deliver Israel out of their hands. It's just, you know what, I'm going to treat that like a done deal. I want That's going to happen, but after that happens, you're going to come here in three days to this very mountain, and you're going to worship me. And you're going to you're going to serve me on this mountain. And that's exactly what God fulfills for his people. The Lord's going to be with Moses in his future. And the Lord's also going to be with us in our future. Matthew chapter 28 in uh, the glorious passage in the Great Commission. Jesus says to his disciples when he commissions them out to go forth to the nations. He ends the Great Commission in this way in verse 20 and behold I am with you always to the end of the age David Furman writes there is only a a shallow joy that we can receive when we tie our joy to our ever changing circumstances it's a joy that gets rocked as it's blown and tossed by the waves of our pain it's a joy that only rejoices when our life is perfectly manicured according to our desires but true and lasting joy comes when we find our joy resting on the rock of ages i love that quote we need to find our joy resting on the rock of ages i am who i am and here this the phrase I will be who I will be is actually in the Hebrew. It's, it's this it's this continuous burning, this continuous language that God just not only is who he is, but he's also going to continue to be who he's going to continue to be. And he's not going to change. He's going to hold fast and he's going to be with you because he's a God who never dies and never stops burning. And this is meant, brothers and sisters, to fill us with confidence. It's meant to fill us with courage, because we, with our God, shall do valiantly. You know, I was thinking about this when we think of the, the scales, and I just had this image of scales in my mind. That if you pile up all the mass of evil and evildoers, and pile up all the mass of the lies of false religion, and the lies of just the, the stronghold, strongholds of cultural thought and ideology that are against God and against his gospel and stack it all up on a scale it might seem to tilt the scale greatly down against our favor and then I just want you to think of the the, the weakest Christian just one of them the weakest Christian standing on the opposite side of those scales trembling like Moses saying who am I the scale would be completely tilted in that direction, but God. When the Lord 
stands with his people and dwells in the midst of his children as he does. I want to encourage you not to fear anything, brothers and sisters, because the weakest Christian with the spirit of Yahweh dwelling within him, the scale completely go in favor of the believer. You could be the last Christian on this earth, the last believer with the spirit of God dwelling within you, and God can do such great and glorious wonders by his power and his presence that he can break a nation like Egypt like that. It's like nothing for him. He can bring down divine strongholds and take every wicked thought and cultural stronghold thought and and make it obedient and cause thoughts to be taken captive and make them obedient to Christ. He can overcome all odds even as Elijah saw on the day when the 450 prophets of Baal were standing there in all of their numbers, doing everything they could to conjure up the presence of their God. And Elijah said, fine. We'll see who the one true God is. The God that answers by fire. He's the God. He's the one true God. And the prophets of Baal say, yes, let's do that. And so they just for hours are cutting themselves and doing all of their rituals and their false demonic activity, trying to call down Baal to do something. And, and Elijah actually starts to mock the prophets of Baal. Say, hey, you know, I don't know where your God is. He may have had to go to use the restroom, he actually says. But they, it's just this image of there's Elijah standing alone. And, and all of a sudden, he's like, listen, pour buckets of water on the fire and on the wood so that the entire thing is drenched with water and he just calls upon the name of the Lord and the Lord comes with fire. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. No one can stop me and no one can stop my purposes advancing on this earth. I cannot be thwarted. I am God and there is no other. Brothers and sisters, he promises us, I am with you always, beloved even to the very end of the age, you will never know a moment of being forsaken by your awesome, covenant-keeping God. But instead, He burns with fire and zeal, holding on to His people and never letting them go. And brothers and sisters, this is meant to cause us to have confidence and courage in our Christian lives. I want to speak to those of you for a moment who just struggle with anxiety and fear of the future. And I understand that battle as well. And The Lord sees. He sees. Seeing, He sees. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are attentive to their cry. If He didn't spare His own Son, this Holy One burning in the flame of fire before Moses, coming down and meeting Moses in His personal way, if He developed a plan to take the Holy One, Jesus Christ, to come down and humble Himself in an infinite condescension to take on flesh, to have feet himself 
in order for those feet to be pierced through this upcoming Good Friday so that blood would be shed so as to deliver you out from your oppression to your slavery to sin and your slavery underneath the power of Satan, the God of this world. If he didn't spare Jesus and put him forward to absorb the full almighty wrath that we deserve forever in hell, but rather instead brings the consuming fire of his judgment down upon his own son, how great must be the love of God for you that he would do that for a wretch like me. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He's got everything in our life in hand. He sees. He knows. He hears. He's watching over you. And if all the world deserted you in unbelief, you would not be without the closest and dearest friend standing with you all the way to the end, keeping you with keeping power that you cannot even imagine as you slip and stumble and try to find your way. He's got hold of you, this perpetual fire burning has. He's got you. He's holding you. He's going to keep you from everlasting to everlasting. He's never going to let you go. He's going to take you into heaven so you can enjoy Him forever. And when those eyes of flaming fire, you look into them face to face, you will not be consumed and neither will I be consumed. Because this Holy One, this One who knew no sin, this One burning in the fire for Moses, willingly became sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That's a holy love. Coming from a holy God. And let us just simply close in worship. And let us bask in the peace this is meant to bring. Let us bask, brothers and sisters, in the comfort this is meant to bring. Let this embolden us that though before in our sinfulness we could never draw near and we only could hide our face. Now we can come into the presence of our holy God and not be consumed and offer Him reverential worship and fear and awe because the consuming fire chose instead to pour out the judgment, His righteous judgment against our sin on His Son instead, satisfying them so that we can enjoy Him forever. Brothers and sisters, we are blessed more than we can imagine in this Gospel May we this week worship Him and pray to Him and thank Him that we can have peace, that we can be comforted, and that we can take good courage this morning even as we close and sing to Him. Holy, holy, holy God, how awesome is Your name. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. My name is Yahweh. 
And I'm worthy of your worship. I'm worthy of your praise. Indeed, I inhabit the praises of my people. Brothers and sisters, let us quietly stand and prepare our hearts to sing. And let us praise him for how awesome his name is. Thank you, Lord, that the, the admonition to Moses, Moses, don't come near. Because of what you did, Jesus, now we here draw near to me with confidence. Thank you, Lord, that we no longer have to hide our face. But we can now approach you, Lord. And indeed, our, our eternal future is going to be filled with the glorious, beatific vision of being able to see you face to face in all of your glory, in all of your holiness, all because of what you have done for us on the cross. Thank you so much, God, for being who you are. Would you please minister fresh peace, Holy Spirit, right now, fresh comfort, and Lord, fresh joy in you to your precious people for whom you died. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go forth enjoying the comfort of the Holy Spirit and go forth in the peace of God.